It's time now for Super Psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. Welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years this evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And today is Sunday, February the 24th, and we are back in beautiful Austin, Texas, and Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here with us making the show run, and we have another great program in store for you, and it's a really packed evening, so we'll get to it pretty soon. In a little while after the break, we'll be joined on the phone from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, by the author of Bring Your Strength, J.G. Bocella, to discuss his mission of encouraging men to bring their whole selves to the table to fully support women in strong leadership roles rather than seeing women as competition or threat and how this can be advantageous to everyone. So this is a really interesting and timely discussion that I'm very interested in discussing this with him and stay tuned because I think you'll enjoy it. And then later in the program, Mark Pines will join us from Los Angeles, California, to discuss a website he created to help people find free and affordable mental health treatment and counseling wherever they may live in the U.S. And also, Renee and Jim Oliphant, the musical duo Ragtop, will be back to join us from Virginia. They're a regular on our program, and they're, they come back whenever they have a new project that they're working on so or that they just completed. So they'll be thin on what they just completed, and we'll be playing some of their music. And along the way, I will discuss the power of generosity and giving without expectation in order to live a more passionate life with some powerful stories that I was just told today and I think that you'll agree that they're extremely powerful. And a sneak peek into my book, The Passionate Life. And throughout this evening's show, we'll have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guests, please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on the air to my guests. And just remember, if you call or email to do it while the guests are still on the line so that they can answer your questions on air. And my email address is Dr. Mara, that's D-R-M-A-R-A, at drmarakarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. You can hear this evening's program again by going to my website later this evening and the link to the podcast along with any website links given by my guests during the program will be posted later this evening so that you could just click on them and 
um, you can get all the information right there and you can listen to the show by going to my website, drmarakarpel.com. And you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after this show ends, going directly to Blog Talk Radio, that's B-L-O-G, talkradio.com, slash your golden years. And for information about previous programs, to listen to previous shows, to read my blog in Thrive Global and Savannah East, as well as my Huffington Post blog, to find out about my upcoming book signings or any other events, to watch videos of guests who are local who have we have videotaped in our downtown Austin office, find out about my upcoming course, um, to purchase a copy of my book. You could do all of that right at my website, drmarakarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. You can also listen to all of the podcasts that we have recorded here with Blog Talk Radio over the last five years by going directly to blogtalkradio.com slash your golden years. And for all of the latest information to find out about upcoming shows and um, whenever blogs are posted immediately and anything coming up in the future, the best way to keep up with that is to follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. Now, if this is the time that you're tuning in, I'm a licensed psychologist practicing here in Austin, Texas, and also in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. And I work with adults of all ages and have a specialty of working with seniors and caregivers, and for the past few years have also been evaluating veterans for PTSD. And part of the time, my office is in the wonderful Veterans Resource Center, Heroes Night Out, which is located in Cedar Park, Texas. For information about this great resource for veterans and for veterans' families, you can give, you can check out their website at heroesnightout.org. Do you want to contact me? Do you have a question that you want to ask me or some information that you think I should know about? Send me an email to Dr. Mara, that's D-R-M-A-R-A, at drmarakarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com, or go through my website or give me a call at 512-626-6973. This evening's program is sponsored by Dr. Ronald DeVere, neurologist, memory specialist, and author of the book, Memory Loss, Everything You Want to Know But Forget to Ask. To make an appointment with Dr. DeVere at his memory clinic in Lakeway, Texas, or to purchase a copy of his book, you can call him at 512-261-7909 or send him an email to rdevere, that's E-V-E-R-E, at austin.rr.com, and his book is also available on Amazon. And this evening's program is also sponsored by StoryHouse. StoryHouse gathers your stories and turns them into multimedia collections that can be shared now and for generations to come. Have StoryHouse over to conduct a private interview in your home or invite them to your next big event or family reunion. StoryHouse, where your memories live. Find out more at yourstoryhouse.com or call 
296-296-8752. And this evening's program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions. And we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will be joined by J.G. Bocella of Bring Your Strength to talk about encouraging men to bring their whole selves to fully support women in strong leadership roles rather than having a competition, co-creation instead. So looking forward to that discussion. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. Worried about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years. Specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia, Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the fact. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 512-261-7909. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaracarpell.com. And we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on Blog Talk Radio and on drmaracarpell.com. And now joining us on the phone from Pennsylvania, we have J.G. Bocella from Bring Your Strength to talk about men and women co-creating in leadership roles. Good evening, J.G. Can you hear me? Hello, can you hear me? Now Hello, I can Mara? hear you. We had Yep, I can hear you. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, okay. Sorry we had about the wrong that. button pressed there. So okay. <laughs> just just to remind you when we speak like this, there's a slight delay. So um just so you know, okay. it's a one or two second delay. So Okay. Why don't we um Start with your background. Tell us about your background, sure. and maybe you can fill us in about the conference that you just came from today. Oh, sure. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on your show, Mary. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, and thank yeah, you and for mm-hmm. thank you for giving up yeah. some of your Sunday evening. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. No problem. Um, it's just actually crazy because we just ran in, at, got into town from Cambridge, from Boston, and uh, came back, grabbed some things, and we're, we're having this bizarre, almost never happens kind of windstorm in Pittsburgh, PA, where I live. And it's just things all over the street are blowing around. <laughs> so I was kind of like oh, wow. fighting a windstorm to get back in for this call. Um, so anyway, I'm a little discombobulated. but. Um, Okay. But yeah, I'd love All right. to share. Take a and, breath. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I would love to share. And and as far as as far as my background, you know, my background is in arts education and social justice, really. Um, so, you know, for a long time, I had I had been a you know professional musician and professional artist, and I had really really worked on um, specifically race relations specifically for quite a long time in terms of um, in terms of my obsession with equality. You know, I've always had this uh-huh. obsession with equality ever since I was a little kid. And for whatever that's reason, it's just, obsession. you know, <laughs> yeah, that's how I'm wired. <laughs> just as, you know, and the thing about it is it always gets me is, um, you know, I say I think it's, I see the value in restating the obvious. And it's like, you know, just people wanting to be treated with respect and treated equally and, you know, given equal opportunities, that's for everybody, whether it's race, gender, orientation, ability, disability. It's just so basic, you know. Um, So for me, I just think it's really that simple. You know, it's simple, but for some reason not easy because human beings are kind of crazy. We're kind of crazy, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. but, But so, you know, I had been... I've been working on programming and writing for a long time about this idea of, a, um, you know, a, a, the conversation we could be having for on race in America and kind of like wrestling with a lot of language and coming up with frameworks around how do we get to this other conversation that, that we never seem to get to that would really affect real change. And, you know, and, and so – I really hadn't spent a lot of time talking about, reading about, writing about gender equity specifically, you know. And it's funny because my – I have an older sister, a younger sister, and I I come from a family of very strong women. So for me, I grew up – my mom's this, like, really fierce, strong woman. My wife is, like, the strongest woman I know, fierce, and you know, two sisters. And so for me, it was very natural to – women's leadership and to and to, to want to support strong women doing what they do was just a very natural thing. Um, you know, but my sisters had at various times said to me years ago, like, you know, you're doing all this great work on race relations, but how come you don't say anything about gender? Mm-hmm. And it's funny because at the time my response to that was kind of like, well, you know, I support women and it's not like I don't support gender equity or anything. It's just, I happen to be studying this and working on this area over here. And I, you know, I kind of said like, you know, if you had a doctor who was trying to find a cure for cancer, you wouldn't say to him like, Hey, don't you care about Alzheimer's or you, you just, uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, no, of course right. I care about Alzheimer's. I'm just studying cancer. But still, you know, I really, as more time went by, I thought, yeah, you know, they're right. I, I, as a man, I need to look at this more and see how I can be part of the solution and, and what can I do around this and um, raise my consciousness. And 
you know, so, but the, the interesting thing is, Mara, that this current work I'm doing and so passionate about and deeply involved with right now is it, it, it came about about six years ago in an indirect way because it kind of found me through my artwork, which is interesting because, you know, I mentioned I have a background in art and I started doing these painting portraits and about six years ago of a friend of mine, and I, I did one of a friend, and she loved it. And she said, wow, that's great. Can I buy it from you? And I thought, yeah, great. That's great. I just sold a piece of art, you know. And then I had another friend who wanted a portrait and a, and a colleague. And I, so I started painting all these portraits, and I realized that after about six months or so, I kind of, it was one of those moments where I picked up my head, looked around, and I thought, wow, you know, these women whose portraits I've been painting are some incredible, fierce, strong women and leaders mm-hmm. and I thought maybe I should just do a whole women portrait series so fierce uh-huh. women you know became a series and it was well received and, and it, that took on a life of its own where we turned it into this like, platform where the women would come you know have their portraits have an exhibition and then we brought them together with young women and girls and, and first like middle school high school girls and um and brought them together so they could share their stories with these girls. And it was really amazing because, you know, these are amazing women in the communities in a, in a few different cities where who these girls, frankly, would otherwise have no knowledge of. You know, they they had no reason to meet these women, you know. And so they got a chance to meet these very successful, strong women leaders and ask them questions about how they got there and, you know, who mentored them. And so – so that began to grow, and but what happened was a lot of the women said to me, you know, JG, we love fierce women and the name and the concept and everything you're doing with this, but how do we get more men engaged? How do we get more men mm-hmm. to support gender equity, women's leadership, and unlimited future for girls? And you know, I, I was I was stuck. I said, yeah, that's a great question. I don't know. How do we get more men? really actively engaged in this. I don't know. And, you know, of course, there there are initiatives out there like He for She and, and you know, Men as Allies movement. So there is work that's already being done out there. Um, so, so that question, though, led me to really stop and think and really sit with that. And then I realized that all the language and frameworks I had been wrestling with for conversation we could be having about race – we're actually quite germane to this conversation about gender. You know, very, some mm-hmm. of the very specific frameworks were relevant. And so what I did was, you know, and the funny thing was I thought, hey, you know, I really need to, to write a book about this. I need to get these ideas out and write a book. And then I just had to stop and laugh at myself because it's like, well, wait, you never finished the first book, so how are you going to write a second book? Uh-huh. But, you know, the thing I had to do was I had to give myself permission in that moment to just say, you know what, fine. It doesn't have to be a big 300-page book. Why don't you write a little baby book, a little pocket book someone can put in their pocket, and it just gives the framework, gives this idea, get the main points out. And so that's what I did. So I wrote this little pocket mm-hmm. book called Bring Your Strength. And the whole idea is it's, this whole thing is around how do we collectively redefine strength and power for women and men? Because how we've been brought up to understand what does it mean to be a strong man, to be weak? What does it mean to be a strong woman, to be weak? What does it mean if you have power, if you're a man, if you have power, if you're a woman? And, and so it's like how do we redefine that for current day to let go of those old 
ideas that really they keep women down, but they also are very narrow for men. So boys and men have to shut off so much of their natural being just to fit a mold of masculinity that's sort of the outmoded idea of what it means to be a man. So this kind of turns it on its head and says, you know, let's get at that. You know, what's the different definition of strength for men? You know, and it and it's it's saying to the guys like, hey guys, you know, you don't have to leave your masculinity at the door to just to come and support and co-lead and co-create with these awesome women leaders. Like, you don't mm-hmm. have to hand in your man card for a day to come and support the women. It's like, right? Bring that. Bring your strength. Bring it to the table and come and co-lead and co-create with these great women. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I have met, you know, um, I remember I was sitting on a plane next to a young man, like a millennial-aged man who pretty much felt like, um, you know, the whole world is beating up on him right now because he's a white, white man. <laughs> And um, and he was felt really threatened by it and really negative about it. And I think yeah. that's a really common a really common thread. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. he was he's alone in that feeling. Oh no, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no, he's not. And it's really a shame because you know it, it's a missed opportunity and and it's a little frustrating when you're trying to do this work. And I completely understand on a level where he's coming from with that. And but what the problem is. With, with with race and with gender, actually, the conversation shuts down, and then there's this conversation we could be having, but we don't get to it, as I said, with race and gender. And the, and the thing is, you know, if you're coming from this activist, hardcore activist academic modality, you could look at him and just be like, oh, who gives a crap how he feels? So what? Go cry me a river. You have all the privilege in the world. You know, I don't want to hear about it. And, and, uh-huh. and unfortunately, that doesn't, that doesn't really help. You know what I'm saying? It's like right. there's a way to engage him and, and, and sort of let him know, like, well, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but that isn't really what's happening. And, and, and the model we need, I think, Mara, is one where it's not watering it down, you know, so white people don't have to feel bad about being white or don't have to face the reality of rape and men, you know, like don't have to face the reality of sexism and, and don't have to sort of see what has been wrought over time by all this sexism. We don't have to handhold them. We don't have to water anything down. We can plainly state, here's the effect of of the isms. Here's the effect of sexism. Here's the effect of racism. This is a reality. So there it is. So so we can teach them about their unconscious biases and do that. That's great. We don't have to water it down. And Mm -hmm. what we can do after that, though, is we can invite them to – from a place of their whole humanity, you know, because I, it's this both and paradigm. I'm not either JG as a person who I am as an individual, my personality, or a straight white man. I'm both JG Bochella, my person, and happen to be a straight white man walking down the street. And what does that mean? Well, my external identifier as straight white man means I'm not going to deal with the sexism that my women colleagues and friends and family are dealing with. I'm not going to be profiled by police and other people in stores like my black friends are being profiled and by police and people in stores. And that's a reality. I'm, that's not going mm-hmm. to happen to me in my straight white man body. And at the same time, 
I'm also JG as an individual. So both are true. So it's both and. It's not either or. So we've got to activate both and, and, and get at each person's whole humanity so that we can say to those men who are actually decent men, and some may know enough not to even say like, okay, I don't even want to say that I'm feeling threatened right now by all this Me Too and post-Me Too talk and I'm being attacked as a man. Like some guys are progressive enough to know that you know, they're not even going to say that for fear right. of backlash, but they're still shut down, and it's still – and it's still such a passive paradigm. It's like, okay, guys, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. And it's like, okay, fine, stop all the random, like really sexist behavior or mildly sexist behavior or clueless behavior. That's great. But what can you do? What's, what's, the, what's the proactive piece going from passive right. to active? How do we activate men, not from a place of you're clueless and a screw up, stop doing this and try to get with the program, but more like, hey, are you bold? Are you innovative? Are you a leader? Are you interested in being a bold, innovative, courageous leader who's interested in 21st century leadership? Well, then if that's the case, then take this up. This is an epic call to bold, innovative, strong men. Redefine strengths and join us in this movement. Join us. Even if it's, you don't want to call it a movement, just just come and join us from a place of strength. You know, what does that look like for a man to, to support women from a place of strength and not passivity of like, okay, I'm going to try real yeah. hard not to be sexist? So, I mean, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense because psychologically people are more responsive to being invited and, hey, like, be, mm. you know, let's be join us and um, mm-hmm. this is what you can do rather than don't do that and don't do that and you know we don't like you because of you were born privileged so um, mm-hmm. so that's a good question what does it look like what does it look like to have a strong man who is not feeling threatened by strong women mm-hmm. and who is mm-hmm. working alongside as an ally of strong women mm-hmm. What does that look yeah, like? And that's a great question, and, and it can look like <laughs> – I know there's a CEO whose name I'm forgetting right now. I forget what tech – I think it's a tech company recently, a CEO who just made – oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I forget the name of it. It's um, – oh, wow. It's not Slack. It's another company, but, but he made a decision. It's probably going to come to me after I hang up the phone, but he made a decision right. you know, across the board that, okay, boom – you know, we are going to have – I forget what policy he put in place, but he just from the position of CEO, you know, said, okay, this is ridiculous that we have, you know, nobody in leadership who's a woman and no one board member who's a woman, and, and, and we're going to go for a 50% representation by this date. He just mandated it. He just came out and basically said, here's what we're doing. We're not going to, like, pussyfoot around anymore. Here's what we're doing. And it came from the top down, you know. And so mm-hmm. that's a perfect example, you know. That's a perfect example. And, 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 again, when you talk about from a place of strength, of course, there's a whole range of what masculine strength can look like too. So it's not that I'm even saying like, yeah, be a man and chop some wood and then go support some women. It's like, yeah, you can chop wood. <laughs> You could be a quiet, strong man. You could be a loud, strong man. You know, there are, I'm talking about a whole spectrum of showing up from a place of strength as a man. It can be quiet strength or other kind of strength, you know? 
Um, showing showing up as a strong person who happens to be a man. And exactly, and ultimately, you know, that's where we're trying to get to, where we're, we're right. coming from our whole humanity, and it's like right. all of us as whole people, you know, coming together to 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 do what I, we you do. Know, I know you mentioned in the introduction. I bought, I I just read your your book, and in the introduction, you talk about you know that that we all have masculine and feminine feminine qualities, and this this is mm-hmm. not this movement is not, you know, geared towards. It doesn't leave anybody out. I mean, it could be anyone, exactly. you know, any sexual mm-hmm. orientation and, you Absolutely. know, even transgender. Mm-hmm. So there, mm-hmm. you know, there, what does masculinity mean? It, it's pretty mm-hmm. fluid. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. So it and really you know, is the... about being a strong person who's walking around mm-hmm. in a man's body who's being treated a mm-hmm. certain way because of that. Yeah, and there and how studies. Mhm. Right, and and there, there's of course writings and research around you know what's healthy masculinity, what's toxic masculinity, what's healthy feminine, what's toxic feminine, and what's you know the these the sort of divine feminine attributes, divine you know what are the highest uh, level attributes that can be associated with feminine leadership styles versus masculine, and ultimately I think. The most powerful women that I've talked to, frankly, in the past few years doing this work, Mara, are not um, advocating for, hey, yeah, I'm tired of these men. Screw them. Let's take over. We want – you know, it's, it's more like, no, we, we really want to, to really collaborate with great men who are, are really – who get it and who their, – their end game is around collaboration, about finding the best mm-hmm. of the masculine, the best of the feminine within all of us, you know, and so, so, so yeah, but – you know, the challenge is always how do we take the research and, and the sort of philosophical and bring it into the practical and move the needle on equality right now, you know? Right. That's a good – so I wanted to just back up a little bit because there has been some research that showed that, you know, m- m- female leaders do have – sometimes have a different style than male leaders. And mm-hmm. one of the mm-hmm. one of the styles that female leaders have that has been – successful for them mm-hmm. is that style of collaboration Absolutely. with other women, yep. with men, mm-hmm. whoever they find is, you know, going to be helpful on the team. Exactly. Um, I was just hoping you'd say collaboration because that's exactly what I was thinking. That is, that is a feminine, more of the feminine attribute in a lot of the strong women who taught me, have taught me, including my sisters, and wife, you know, and mother have taught me around, um, the, yeah, that, that that collaborative, if it shows up more as a typically feminine leadership style, it doesn't mean men can't also learn from and adopt that right. leadership right. style, you know. And we well, need I it think right now. I, I, it's it. really beneficial, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and we're way out of balance. Way too much yang. We need some yin. You know, this world right. is kind of too yanged out right now, if you ask me. Right. We need that, you know, balance. So, so how do you bring men into this? And and I know you're doing a lot of work, and you just went to a conference. I mean, how how mm-hmm. how are you doing that? How are you bringing men into this and inviting them to be part of it? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great question, and I think, um, yeah, there's some great people 
I got an opportunity to do a panel. It's a uh, the, the Women's Student Association at Harvard Business School has an annual. It's their 28th annual, and they invited me up. And actually, my wife got to. She she also was on a panel. We did a, a panel together around dual career, thriving in a dual career relationship. And then we also did. I did a separate panel, um, which was around the gender experience. And so we really were kind of digging deep with more from an academic bent from from folks. Um, a gentleman from Harvard Kennedy School who's studying this pretty in depth, and um, and some mostly all women panel. I mean, so we're just a few guys there. This is this is not a lot of dudes at this at this panel. It was it was really right. fantastic. Um, had some amazing keynotes. Um, so yeah, I just literally flew in from that, and it, it was just very energizing and inspiring. And and um, so I'm definitely following up with folks from there and excited. And, and these are folks who are. You know, in you know, working at say like the head of people at Booz Allen Crews, the head of diversity and inclusion, a lot of big companies, um, entrepreneurs represented, corporate folks represented, but who who really kind of are are, are really doing the work in this in this area. Um, but back to your question, though, Mara, I think me personally, with with my approach with bring your strengths, my I'm always moving with a sense of urgency, it, and it's about, again, how do we apply the thoughts and the research and the philosophies around this in a way to, to move the needle? So what, where's the lever for change? And so I think that there is a huge potential lever for, for change and a huge, really untapped resource, and, and that's what I talk about in the book as being the hidden demographic of men. And I say the hidden demographic mm-hmm. – because it's kind of a counterintuitive, you know, like a a lot of a lot of corporate diversity inclusion strategies sometimes by nature tend to be uh, a a compulsory training. Like, okay, you're going to have to come, and we're going to do this thing about unconscious bias, and so it's human nature kind of to resist. Like, hey, don't tell me what to do. I don't want to do this, and so you get a lot of resistance. And the reality is, in any organization, if, if you take ton, if you take all the men in any organization, big and small, you know, you're going to find that men fall on a spectrum of this in terms of their receptivity to actively supporting gender, gender equity and women's leadership. And so, uh, I'm sorry, I had a call come through and I was trying to send it to voicemail. I'm sorry if you're hearing any kind oh, of okay. interruptions. Um, it's okay. But so, so. Um, what I'm trying to say is, though, instead of instead of trying to cast this wide net and try to convince these people who are sort of way on the end of the the far end of the spectrum, who are quite you know recalcitrant around this, and very resistant and openly hostile to this for various reasons, it's my approach has been wait, go to the middle of the spectrum and find the guys who actually get it, who are actually smart and. Uh, and and care and professional interested in leadership and want to support their colleagues who are women and and if you gave them something to you know check a box like okay should your colleagues get paid the same as you do for doing the same work of course they should oh fine let me check that box of course they should get paid the same that's ridiculous what else and but these guys also are not necessarily activists and activist feminist men who are going to go marching for women's rights five days a week. You know what I mean? For lack of a better term, they're regular guys 
doing the things right. that may or may not have fam- families, but they don't have a roadmap right now. They don't have an invitation. They don't have a a way in. There are a lot of men out there who are like, okay, yeah, what do I do? I'll go to the leadership meeting. That's Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to go to that meeting around supporting women. And it's like, but this is really uncharted territory, you know? And um, so, so really, so, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, in the couple of minutes we have left, because I, I, you know, we could talk about this for a long time, and I would love to have you come back on so we could, so we can. But what do you suggest listeners can do if there are, are men out there yeah. who are saying, yeah, I don't know what to do. I want to be helpful, yeah. but I feel sort of like, um, you know, boxed in. Yeah, or I've got women two, two who... things. Mm-hmm. So, okay, no, so I was just saying, I have two quick things, like a shorthand for men. Uh, this is the super fast one, which is okay. when you're talking to your female colleagues, okay, it's, it's, um, First of all, it's if she's sharing something with you, first thing is just believe her. Like, oh, I was talking to this guy, and he, you know, seemed like he just whatever, treated me different and so on. So first thing is just believe her instead of questioning, like, well, maybe he didn't mean it like that, or I don't know. Are you sure? So instead of interrogating, it's just listen. So it's really just mm. first is listen. It's just listen. This is, a sh- this is a shorthand. It's listen, believe, and trust. So it's first listen. Then believe what she's saying to you, and then trust that she actually knows what she needs. You know that if if she's expressing any kind of you know wish or desire or need around what needs to change or what doesn't need to change or just I need to just be mad for now or not mad or just do X Y and Z make a phone call, it's just trust that she knows. So it's like listen, believe, and trust. That that's a shorthand. So that's what you could start okay. the next conversation. Listen, believe, and trust. And then the other thing, which is. If you're really feeling bold and and um, you really want to do something, you know, and this came out of a of a many many calls with women leaders across the country, across sectors, the past couple of years, and and I had posed this hypothetical question, which was basically, you know, if if a man came into your office, I mean, one of your colleagues said to you, "Hey, you know, I, I want to learn about your leadership style. I'm interested in your leadership style, and how can I really?" can you tell me how I can just really actively and powerfully support your leadership vision? Can you tell me how I can do that? And so many of the women I spoke to, Mara, said, I can't imagine one single man ever asking me how they can powerfully support my leadership vision. And I said to them, well, let me ask you this. That does sound improbable, right? But let me ask you this. If you, if you felt that they were sincere and they really wanted to help it, if you felt they were sincere and they meant it and that they, they weren't, didn't have a hidden agenda – and would you welcome that question? And here's the wild thing that blew my mind. Almost all the women so emphatically said to me, oh, my goodness, that would be a game changer. It would be incredible. Are you kidding me? It would be amazing if they meant it and they'd follow through and they wanted to support my leadership vision. Are you kidding me? And, and the kicker is, Mara, that there are so many men, even if it's only 5 to 10% of all men. You're still talking about millions of men across the country. Even if, if the hidden demographic is only 10%, that's a lot of men who actually would ask that question. But the kicker is they don't even know that they're allowed to ask that question. How can I powerfully mm. support your leadership vision? What the heck? I'm going to get sent to HR. I don't even know. Can I say that? What is that? So they don't know they're allowed <laughs> to get permission. And then, frankly, they don't, they don't have a roadmap. And they don't have 
um, we don't have, as I said, it's uncharted territory, so we don't have even the lexicon for this. The, this is new language. It's new. But, but really, if you're feeling bold, I would say to the men who consider themselves leaders in organizations, have an honest talk with your colleagues who are women and just say to them, you know, I heard this crazy thing on this podcast or in this book, crazy thing about leadership vision. Can I ask you that? Well, can I support your leadership vision? What would that look like as, as your colleague, as a man? How could I actively support your leadership mm-hmm. vision? And see what kind of conversations happen. See if you have a trusted colleague who you, you know well. Ask her this question, and you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at the answers that you get. So I would, sounds, I would really invite men to do that. That's awesome. So... Yeah, I, yeah. Um, we need to go, but I would like yeah. to have you come back and talk about this more because it's a really big topic. So we'll have to mm-hmm. discuss that after. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Thank you so much, li- Mayor. If listeners are interested in finding out more about what you're doing and about this book and, and getting involved, and where, where can they find that out? Oh, thank you so much. It's actually just bringyourstrength.com. You can just go to bringyourstrength.com, and there's a link to the book on Amazon. Um, bringyourstrength.com. Please don't judge my current website too harshly. I have to do an overhaul. <laughs> okay. Information. And um, also, I'm on LinkedIn all the time, J.G. Bocella, B-O-C-C-E-L-L-A. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm always open to connecting with folks on LinkedIn. But But definitely go to bringyourstrength.com. Okay, that on the web post later this evening, so people can just go there and click on it. And I'll okay. send you some. Let's talk about some dates in the future. I'll send you some dates because I think I think oh. you know we did, we only just broke the surface. Yeah, yeah, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> I'd be happy to do that. That'd be great. It's it's a pleasure talking with you, Mara. I'd love to come back. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, and you have a good evening. All right. Thanks, Mary. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take a very brief break, and we have lots more to come, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And just a quick overview of the news before I talk about um, the topic of, of generosity. 
Um, last week, I mentioned that I had done an interview with Judy Maggio on KLRU, which is um, the local Austin PBS station that, on their Facebook page. Um, that video is still available on their Facebook page if you go to KLRU on Facebook, or you can go to my website, and I have posted it there. And you also on my Facebook page, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. It's about a 20-minute interview about um, growing older and keeping your passion. And if you're here in Austin, you may have seen or you're able to see even this evening as soon as the show ends at 630, um, KLRU here in Austin um, has a 30-minute special that they've broadcasted on Friday last night and tonight will be the last time about aging in Austin and they used a tiny clip of our interview at the very beginning of the program so that was really cool so you can catch that if you're um, in Austin and I also have posted that on my Facebook page a little clip all right and last night we went to see the Texas Heritage Songwriters Awards um, we got to hear Christopher Cross and Billy Gibbons play, and that was really cool. A lot of other Texas songwriters, but those are the ones that I knew. <laughs> and um, I want to ch- thank Chad Hines, who did the sound for that. Um, and he has recorded art in some of his records, and he gave us a ticket. So thank you so much, Chad Hines. Um, Coming up, I have a uh, I will be at a book event, a book festival in Killeen, Texas, on uh, Saturday, March the 9th, and that's near the that's in the Killeen um, Convention Center, and that is near Fort Hood in the area. We're we're going to be there from nine till two, and come find me, and I'll have books to sign for you. And I think that's it for my news other than you could my blogs have been posted you could take a look I have one blog oh one of my blogs made it to the front page again of Savannah East their website so that's pretty cool and I have more coming out very soon and my course is again set to launch April the 15th and it's right now half price and pre-launch so if you're interested in um getting a seat in the course. It's an online course, of course. And having a say in what goes into it, then you might want to sign up for the pre-launch. So you can actually, if you've read the book and you have some questions that you'd like me to go into further depth in the course, then if you sign up for the pre-launch, you have a say in that you can let me know what you want me to cover. So I think that's it for news. I want to jump into this topic because our next guest is going to be calling in a a little while. Um, I want to talk about the power of generosity. I've spoken about it before as a really powerful um, way of finding meaning in your life and of just increasing your mood and feeling joyful and passionate about life. Um, When I was on that interview, one of the things that I mentioned was that um, I've noticed, you know, throughout my career working with 
people in from working with people in nursing homes and assisted and independent living to working with younger adults in my private practice as well as evaluating veterans and and talk speaking with the veterans um, I've noticed that the one th- common thread is <clears throat> the desire to have meaning and passion in life, something that you're passionate about. And one of the most powerful ways of finding meaning in life is to um, do something where you feel that you're helping other people and to give without expectation of anything in return. So a surefire way to just, you know, you're feeling kind of down today, go out and do something for somebody and don't expect anything in return. Just do it because it feels good. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about research that backs up how that is really, really powerful for our mood and for our health actually, but I want, I was planning to do this discussion and I was on Instagram today and I happened to be connected with um, the wife of one of the previous guests who's been on this show, Brady Busby, and um, she talked about generosity today and and random acts of kindness uh, on her, on her feed on Instagram. And you know, when, when Brady was on the program, he talked about, um, you know, his book. And in the book, he had written about his daughter who had taken her life after she was dealing with her own issues of PTSD. And um, so his wife wrote a little bit about some acts of kindness, both um, performed by their daughter Ashley, and also for her while she was going through a really rough time and the impact that it had. And what I asked her permission to share this on the program, and she said, yes, definitely. So um, Ashley, their daughter, had seen a girl sitting alone at a lunch table, and she went and sat down to talk to her and found out that she had recently become pregnant. And Ashley was concerned that this girl's friends had abandoned her through the whole lunch with her talking and giving her emotional support. And later, that that girl had shared the story um, with Ashley's parents and talked about the impact that that one encounter had made on this one girl's life. So what may have seemed like a very small thing just to sit through lunch and and be supportive had made a big impact on her life. Um, So when Ashley was working through the trauma of her own issues and her assault, she oftentimes would become anxious, depressed, sad, lonely, guilt-ridden, and ashamed. And many of her closest friends had drifted away, and she was becoming more lonely. She didn't want to go to activities. She often stayed at home rather than going out. And then angels, as her mom put it, would appear. A girl from school and church called and asked what she could bring Ashley on a particularly bad day. And Ashley said ice cream, and there it was. She showed up with ice cream. A lady from the church 
noticed Ashley wasn't coming to church anymore, and she stopped by to bring flowers. And another time, a small gift for Ashley. And a school counselor would wrap a blanket around her as she asked her about her latest sketches. And an older lady standing at the florist counter could see something in her eyes and bought Ashley a cup of coffee. And a caring therapist commissioned Ashley's first piece of artwork, and Ashley became a very fine artist. Um, And what her mom wrote is that what these angels do not know is that some of these moments were the lowest, and they gave her family one more day with Ashley. So you don't know what your one act of kindness kindness can do for another person. You may think that it's just a small act of kindness, but it may be the thing that saves someone's life. Just smiling for, at someone um, when they're having a bad day or just doing one small thing for them, carrying their packages, op- going out of your way to open the door, um, Things like this that we don't think too much about can have a huge impact on the other person's life because we never know what another person is going through in that moment. So I think that's really important to keep in mind. Now, what I want to add to that is that we don't know what impact we have when we do it, and we may never know. The person may never come back and tell us there may be a complete stranger who just, you know, we're not, our, our paths may never meet again. So we don't know how our act of kindness impacted their life. Or it may be somebody that you do know and they have, they've been caught up in whatever um, issue they're dealing with at that time. And haven't had the haven't been able to come back and thank you for what you've done, even though um, what you have done has been so impactful for them. And even though we don't know, but they could be feeling intense gratitude if they remember what you did and and how it impacted their life. So if you're waiting to find out the outcome or you're waiting for a thank you or you're even following that person around to make sure that they're paying it forward, so to speak, um, or using the gift in the way that you intended it, if you give money to someone on the street who is who is asking for money, um, Do you follow that person to make sure that they're using it for food or for warm clothing rather than something that you disapprove of, like alcohol or drugs? When you do that, when you wait for um, a thank you, when you expect a certain outcome, when you follow someone to make sure they're doing what you intended with your gift, then you are not going to receive any benefit from their from your act of kindness. So you, they may, you may still have a positive impact um, on that person. But if you want to receive 
some benefit, powerful benefit that gives your life meaning, then the best thing to do is to not have any expectation when you perform an act of kindness or generosity. So um, just doing it, just doing it will and and putting it out there that you wish the best for that person will bring tremendous um, benefits for you. So it the um, the research has actually found that when people perform an act of kindness without expectation for anything in return, it it causes an increase of endorphins, those those really nice feel-good chemicals that our brain produces that helps to relieve pain and increase our mood and help us to better sleep at night. And it actually increases the production of immunoglobin A, which is a our natural um, disease-fighting chemicals in our body. So you can actually um, prevent illness in yourself by being generous and by having no expectation um, in return from your generosity. And, and finally, when you perform acts of kindness and generosity without expectation, that brings the deepest feeling of meaning into your life. So following someone around with an expectation for something in return for your act of kindness takes away that um, sense of meaning that you get. But we all need to have a sense of, of purpose and meaning in our life. And when we're feeling down or um, having a bad day or not feeling well, when we do something for someone else, no matter how small, we immediately have a feeling of purpose. It immediately changes that whole picture for us. And as I, you know, read to you the story of Ashley and how it really made a huge difference, you may never know the the tremendous impact that you have on another person's life just by a small act of kindness. But just knowing that you have done it is enough to to make a huge difference in your own life. And and it will likely have a very positive impact in the other person's life. So um, so I, I urge people, you know, I talk about this topic a lot, but I really urge people to sort of um, ask yourself the question every day when you get up, what am I going to do today to bring light into the world? And you may not know what opportunities will come up in the day. So it may be very general that I'm going to take whatever opportunities that I see um, to do something kind for someone else. Or you may actually come up with an idea of how to help someone else or how to help other people. And this can give you the feeling of energy and joy just getting out of bed in the morning, knowing that you're going to bring forth something into the day to help other people or help another person. Um, I'm sure I'll talk about this topic more. Um, I've written a whole chapter about it in my book. I give several tips about how to 
how to perform acts of kindness without expectation if you're looking for some ideas about how to do it. And, um, and I will be speaking about it again. So um, without further ado, we're not going to take a break. We're just going to go to our next guest who is calling in from Los Angeles, California. We have Mark Pines, who has performed a great act of kindness. And Mark is created the website Open Counseling for free and affordable mental health services. Good evening, Mark. Good evening, Dr. Nara. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for coming on the program and, and giving up some of your Sunday afternoon. Um, so, and we'll work our way backwards. So what is open counseling? Um, in short, it is a, a one-stop place where people can look for affordable counseling. Um, there are plenty of people who need counseling, but there are also plenty of people who realize that it can be very expensive. And open counseling as, at its heart is just a place you can go. You can put in your zip code and find places where you can get affordable or low-cost counseling nearby you. And those would typically be from nonprofit organizations, maybe university training centers, maybe faith-based organizations, which see giving counseling as part of their, their service to their community. And the idea is that um, no one should go without affordable counseling and that there is um, a surprising amount of that available for everyone. Mm-hmm. And is this throughout the whole nation, the whole country? Exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, it, it was mainly me, and then eventually I got a few researchers when I realized how overwhelmingly large the, the task is. It, it does cover the whole nation. And um, essentially, um, it it was interesting because you were talking about generosity. A lot of these centers are are founded on generosity and giving back to the community. Um, A lot of them are um, nonprofits who who want to help the people in the community and want to offer counseling and are also aware that not everyone can afford um, a a nice private practice therapist, a, a place and so they are, are there and they have a mission of doing good and, and often in a strange way because it's it's a very charitable thing. The, the people who give therapy sort of bring that forth and um, it, it can great, create a really special experience going to one of these places where they are kind of leading with their heart. They're trying to do good in their community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we talked about some of those around here in Austin that I know of, and I've only heard positive things about some of these organizations. And, yeah, I, and probably, absolutely. I think you bring up a good point that it's because it's, you know, based on that idea of generosity and really wanting to help people. It really is. And, and um, I remember um, I'm a therapist and I, I sort of spent some time during my training at one of these organizations and there is something very magical. I, I remember we, we didn't always have the greatest couches because the, the couches in the office were a hodgepodge of donated items from this family and that family or this client who was very grateful and wanted to do something for the center. And so they donated the, the couches. And so not all the couches matched 
but there, there was something beautiful right. about the, the amalgam of the whole thing. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so, so, so um, mm-hmm. yeah, go on, go on. Go ahead. Well, I wanted to know, um, so um, how did you, you know, what is your background and how did this open counseling website come about? Do you know, my background is I, I, before I was a therapist, I was a software engineer. And so I had some of the skills necessary to, to put together something like this. Um, but it started out because when I, I started as a therapist, um, I very quickly became aware that there was just so many, so much need for affordable counseling. Um, there are, um, you know, insurance is helpful for many people to get counseling, but insurance is also very limited. They'll only deal, they'll only help you out if you have like a pretty severe issue. They often right. sort of limit the number of sessions you have. They'll they'll limit um, marriage counseling is is rarely covered, um, and so there, there's a huge amount of need. And the reality is, most private practice therapists are charging at least a hundred dollars per session, and that that's a stretch for people to put in each week. And, and I I wanted to do something to help. Um, I was mm-hmm. able to help individuals who came to my office on a one-on-one basis, but um, there was something about wanting to do more good out there than, than just one person at a time, and open counseling allowed me to, to kind of fulfill that, and, and um, I, I really love how you talk about um, generosity, um, creating motivation and passion. I, I think there is something about that that certainly allowed me to spend a lot more nights, um, you know, at the end of the workday researching and each little place that I, like, I could add, each little piece of research that I could add was exciting for me. I'm like, great, someone out there in this Anchorage, Alaska is going to be, like, so much happier because they found this resource. And and I always had these little people in my head who I was able to help sort of as I did it, and uh-huh. that's what kind of drew me through it. So you kind of, like, pictured who you were helping. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like there was a sense, like, this was for a meaning. This was for a cause. Um, there, uh-huh. there was someone whose day will be a little bit better off and, and – I, I think I kind of picture them in my head um, as I kind of create the site. I'm always like, I want to make sure that everyone who comes kind of leaves a little bit happier than they were when they arrived at the site. They they got something, and, and um, there's something about kind of keeping that mission in mind that that draws you forward. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I think that you're also making. Um, private practice therapists happy because, you know, we, most therapists really do want to help everybody. Um, And it's very frustrating when people call and they say they can't afford to come to us and and we can't afford to keep the lights on if we see them for free or really extremely reduced rates. But we hate turning people away who are in pain without having a place to send them where we feel confident that they're going to get good care. 
Yes, and, and that was a huge thing. I mean, I, I struggled with that a lot as a therapist. I had a lot of people calling, and, you know, you, you do your best to accommodate as much as possible, but the reality of kind of keeping on the lights and maybe sending, you know, to college one day, there's a limit of how much you can give. And, and so to to find a way that I could help myself and other therapists who, who it's painful to turn away people, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it felt good. I mean, it, it's, it is, it's just kind of painful to turn away people. There, there's a, a sort of tax that that imposes if you do too much of it every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think I shared with you that, you know, one of the referral sources, one of the places that you have on there for the Austin area helps veterans. And I feel so much better knowing Mm. so when veterans come to see me they only come for an evaluation i'm not supposed to give them anything more than that but i know about this place and i feel so much better being able to say hey have you heard of this place you might want to check it out i've heard they give good care for for ptsd and other needs that veterans have and i feel good it makes my job more rewarding to be able to do that Oh, completely, completely. And the, the truth be told, there there's a lot of these really good organizations out there. Um, you know, a lot of these places are, are training young therapists or their charities, and, and there's care out there. And I can see why it would make it much easier for, for you to say here, um, these people are, are capable of giving you that care and, and to, to feel confident that you're giving a good referral is a very comforting thing indeed. Yeah. So so how can people find your website and, and use it? Oh, it's very easy. Um, essentially, just go to opencounseling.com and you'll be greeted with a, a, a big text box at the beginning where you can type in your zip code and hit search. And um, wherever you are, hopefully find something around you that that offers affordable counseling. Um, I should say that just so people kind of understand how it works, uh, most of these places offer a therapy on a sliding scale, which is to say that the higher your income, the the more you'll pay for services, and the lower the income, the the less you'll pay for services. And, And very many of them will not turn people away, no matter how much they're able to afford. Um, and so sometimes it's just a matter of kind of going through the list, um, finding something that seems suitable, and, and hopefully you'll be able to, to get that care. Um, I was also thinking, particularly with your show, you, you've got a lot of people who are, are seeking a more passionate life, something that, that sparks an aliveness in them that was missing. And Typically, that's not the sort of thing that insurance companies will pay for therapy for because it, it doesn't fall into something more severe. Um, and so there are a lot of times where if people do want to, to spend time with a therapist and go in depth in an issue, it's hard to, to find a place that is affordable. Um, but mm-hmm. hopefully um, – Open counseling can be be part of that that solution for people. That yeah, that be, sounds great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds great. That you know, going beyond what insurance companies tend to pay for. 
Right. And and there has been a lot of progress. Um, the Affordable Care Act has um, made mental health coverage as um, far more widely available through insurance, but mm-hmm. insurance companies do what insurance companies do, which is they, they try to figure out how to save costs and to to narrow the number of people who can get care. And, and so um, that's not to say you're not going to get mental health coverage, but, but maybe you need to be a little bit creative um, if you cannot afford a private practice therapist, which many people unfortunately can't. Right, right. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for coming on the program, and thank you for creating this wonderful website. Uh, Absolutely. It's a pleasure, and and thank you very much, Dr. Mara, for helping me get the word out there. Yes, and I will be posting the the link to to the website um, later tonight on my web post about this program, so people can go right to my website, and they can just click on that link. Um, it'll take them right to your website. Um, so that's great. And if I hear of any other uh, affordable places in the Austin area, I'll send you a note so you can you can check them out and see if you want to add them to your website. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, anything to to make our our database more comprehensive? Like I said, that that's the thing that gives me a little bit of joy. Like somewhere in my head is someone who's happy for seeing that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, you have a good evening, Mark, and thank you so much for being on the program. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. So we're gonna. We're going to take a break, and we're going to listen to music of our next guests that are coming on the on the program, uh, Ragtop. Jim and Renee Oliphant will be joining us, and here's some of their music. Butterfly below, she has to try, 
But she rolled back down to the warm soft ground Laughing up to the sky She don't know why Talking And we're back We were just listening to the music of our next guest the musical duo Ragtop. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? Good evening. I'm okay. Oh, you're both here this evening. Hi, Jim yeah, and Renee. Hello. <laughs> Hi. How's everything going? Welcome back. Well, thank you for having us back. We're actually having a uh, candlelight interview this evening. Virginia's getting some crazy winds tonight, and we're uh, our power's been out for a little while, so we're a uh, candlelit interview this evening, but we've been wow. doing well. We're um, um, same pace this year as the last few. We're booking again this year about 200 shows, and uh, looking forward to a really good year. It's got off to a good start, so we're very happy to be back on the show, too. I want to thank you for having us. Yeah, great. I'm so glad to hear that. It's so funny because the evening was in Pittsburgh, and he said that he had to come in from the wind. So it must be going down oh, the yeah. whole coast. <laughs> it, it's really extreme, and we've had about two or three weeks of nothing but rain, so we have a lot of downed uh, power lines and trees. So it's a very oh, quiet, boy. very uh, still town this evening. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad your phone is still working. <laughs> Oh, yeah. We wouldn't miss it for the world. Thank you. <laughs> so um, so we just played one of your songs, um, Dog and Butterfly. Is that the name of the song? That's the name of that one. That is our arrangement of a uh, our cover of the Heart song. Anna Nancy Wilson did that song. And uh, just always, Renee does a great job covering Stevie Nicks material, but she also does a really good job with heart songs and that's one we wanted to do for a long time mm. it's just a it's a beautiful st- song that tells a story just about um longing and how to reach beyond your imagine beyond your reach and, and to go for things that are even out of your reach if you don't achieve them it's still important to try and it's just a beautiful story that she tells in that song and we've always enjoyed it but that's one that i think renee really does a good job with yeah that's beautiful um so have you recently done any recordings? Well, we were getting ready to the first of the year, and we uh, I think one of the backstories that we've just kind of briefly mentioned a few times was that uh, we started playing full-time again after taking a break for several years to raise our family. Um, probably about 14, 15 years ago, my wife, Renee, started to uh, have some issues with her health, and we were finally diagnosed with lupus. And mm-hmm. at that point, we decided that I needed to be around more often. And, and when she was feeling well, we needed to find something we could do to make a living. So the music just seemed natural that we go back to that. And kids really gave us their blessing for that. And when Renee feels well, we perform. And when she's not feeling well, we reschedule and change our, our bookings a little bit. And the venues we work with have been wonderful to work with in that regard. But uh, about once a year, Um, because of that, we end up with a hospital stay. And this year we Mm. had an extended and surprise one in January. So we were intending on getting some recording done um, this month, 
but she ended up with an extended hospital stay and a couple of months of home health care. So we've got all these things we're chomping at the bit to get in the studio and do, but we've had to schedule things, uh, move them back a little bit so she can have time to fully recover and uh, we can have mm-hmm. a little more time to prepare. So we're looking yeah. forward by the end of the year to having some new stuff out, working again with the same studio we produced all of that at, and uh, we're looking at least another uh, EP by the end of the year. Okay, great. And I'm I'm glad, Renee, that you're out of the hospital. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm happy to be home, too. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So, yeah, you need to focus on your health first. <laughs> It, it's one of those things that really just for us, it was very significant around the age of 50. Things just had to change a little for us. So it's a, it was a change in our, our golden years, so to say, I guess. Um, it's made a big difference for us. We've been able to enjoy performing. We're uh, in a lot of new venues this year that we're looking forward to, um, still performing throughout Virginia and into North Carolina and a little bit into West Virginia and Tennessee. So we're, we're staying as active as we ever have on the East Coast. About the same number of shows this year. Um, mm-hmm. And the recording, we're looking definitely looking forward to that. And actually, I've talked to a few uh, fellow musicians about some collaborations this year. So we're anxious for Renee to get back on her feet 100% so that we can begin some of those projects and we'll to it because we miss being in the studio. It's a very enjoyable thing to be able to go into a studio like we have access to that allows you to just be the musician and you've got creative people there that can help bring things out in you or your songs that you didn't realize were possible. So we enjoy the process and we're looking forward to getting back to it. Yeah. It's nice to have the people doing that, helping you like that. So you don't have to become a a technician while you're being a musician. Yeah. It's it's enough to handle the bookings and all the things that we do, but that's uh that song, Dog and Butterfly, was on our uh, Route 44, uh, I'm sorry, Route 460 CD. Um, uh-huh. That CD was one that came out in 2017 yeah. in the spring. And uh, the Route 460 was because we traveled most of our years back and forth across the state on highway Route 460. So we were okay. talking one day okay. on the way to a, a show and decided, said, well, we're going to call this CD. And we came up with that name. Then we decided we had the the whole concept just came together from that point. Songs that would be easy listening for driving down the road and things that we really liked the way that we performed them and they were usually fan favorites. And we found a vintage gas station here in uh, Roanoke that let us do some photo work for the cover of the uh, CD. And uh, we just Uh picked up that uh, Route 460 theme with that. And Dog and Butterfly was one of the songs on that CD. So how many CDs do you have now? We have three projects. The very first one was self-titled Ragtop, and um, it was recorded on a home studio setup. And uh, then we came out with Ragtop Route 460. And just last year then we did a fully digital EP called Retro. And um, that one, again, we developed a theme with it, and the songs all came from about 1965 to about 1972, songs that really came from that era of acoustic music that that we get our whole vibe from. And um, we did some arrangements of those, but we exclusively released it digitally. We've had so many fans just ask for... um, tell us that the CDs just aren't something that aren't getting as much play as they used to, and they're asking us if they're downloadable. So this time we just did a completely downloadable digital 
album that's available on our website, as well as the uh, the other songs are too. As a matter of fact, the way we've set it up on there, any of the songs from all three of the CDs, you can just pick a song you like and download it, or you can pick the album. And um, most of them also have liner notes uh, about why we chose the song. Usually have some photos of the studio sessions, and then some notes uh-huh. on the song itself and its origins. Because I've, I've found as we've played throughout the years, people really like to hear how a song came to be and, and why you picked it. And it, it, the story of right. the song means as much as the music to most people. So we include those notes, too, on all three of the CDs. And your website is? Yes, is um, myragtop.com. Right. Okay. And I'll be sure to post that um, on my web post about the show. But before you go, we're going to play just a little bit of another song you sent, which is My Guitar Gently Weeps. And um, maybe you can talk a little bit about about it before we play a piece of it. Oh, yeah. Just a a huge George Harrison fan. Um, I have to admit, when I started playing the guitar as a young kid, I wasn't into the Beatles at all. As I learned more about music and listened more, I became a huge fan and was a big fan of George Harrison's. And uh, that song particularly worked so well with uh, the arrangement that we did with it. We just naturally one day stumbled across the medley we put it in. Um, We moved While My Guitar Gently Weeps to the key that we do, Here Comes the Sun, and put those two in a medley together, two amazing George Harrison songs. And he just seemed to be highly underrated as a guitarist and tried to make those arrangements as um, they were difficult arrangements to piece together and they needed to be, I think, because the beauty of the song, it sounds so flowing, but it's it's very difficult to play. But we love uh-huh. that arrangement that we came up with for those two. And um, it just is, it, it speaks on so many levels. I think, you know, whatever level it speaks to you personally is important, as well as the reason George Harrison wrote it. But in any times, and especially times like these, you know, you can sit back and you take a deep breath sometimes and, and you wonder. And a song like that, you know, you see all the hope and all the potential that's out there. And um, you just wish that that could be realized. And the song felt right in the time for us, too. And then when it flows into the medley of Here Comes the Sun, you get that that uplift and the music, and, and you go to a different feel. You go to the major, and it, it feels like maybe the, the hope is being realized. So it felt mm-hmm. right to put those two together. So it's a little yeah. background. And they're on the new digital EP, Retro. Okay, okay. So stay on the line because we're going to play a little piece of it. And we'll talk for a a little bit before you go. Okay? Okay. Sounds great. Thank you. All right. Oh, 
love I don't know how someone controlled you they bought and sold you I look at the world and I notice it's turning while my guitar Gently weeps With every mistake We must surely be learning Still my guitar Gently weeps I don't know how You were diverted No one alerted you I don't know how You were inverted You were perverted too I love Beautiful oh, That song you. always makes me cry <laughs> Yeah, I it just, it. I, I was just amazed at how, I i think it was only one take on the vocals because I just got so into it. Mm-hmm. Wow. The song really evokes a lot of emotions. So, yeah, we, we were glad to be able to record that one. It's a beautiful song. Yeah, it really is. Um, all right. So when do you think you guys will be back to performing? Well, we've actually we're performing close to home right now, so we we oh, were able to get great. back to it um, relatively quickly. It, it's you know we do this this is our our gig this is full time this is what we do so we were able to uh, get back to it work into some shorter sessions right away. But um, things really pick up for us um, about the first of March. Um, so Renee's had about six weeks now since everything kind of started and um, has, has done really well with some great care and she's feeling better and um, had some, through it all, we came out with some really good results and some, some positive right. changes for her too. So she's ready to get back to the, the bigger shows and uh, that all kicks off the first part of March. we got a couple. we got to kind of get her toe back in the water and see how it goes. And then at the end of March, then things just pick up and go from there. Our summer schedule kicks in and we stay pretty busy through the holidays then. Awesome. So um, is your calendar on your website as well? Yes, it is. And it's a link on there to the calendar. and It's interactive. It will let you share events, learn about the venues. It will give you lots of information. It's on the website as well. Great, great. So I hope listeners who are in that area can come come out and see you, check out your your calendar and come see you play. Otherwise, um, download your music. Um, absolutely absolutely so best of luck to you and and i'm glad that you're feeling better renee and i'm glad you guys are getting back to performing and good luck with the cd and looking forward to hearing more thank you very much we appreciate it we'll look forward to sharing it with you and thanks for having us back on the show we always enjoy it yes thank you and you have a good night and i hope you get your electricity back soon (laughs) <laughs> yeah, nice yeah. to spend a lot of evening together. Thank yeah. you, Dr. Carpell. 
All right. Okay. Good night. Good night. Good night. All right. So before Art cuts us off the air, um, let you know what's happening next week. Uh, Next Sunday, March the 3rd, we'll be back with another great show. And joining us from Hawaii, we'll have J.F. Benoit, author, speaker, and director and founder of the Exclusive Addiction Treatment Center. And he will be discussing his new book, Addicted to Monkey Mind, Change the Programming that Sabotages Your Life. And I read the book, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, so I'm really looking forward to a discussion about it. And also, Jose Sanchez will be joining us from South Padre Island to talk about his live music on South Padre and living on South Padre, and we'll play some of his music. And we'll have more. We always have more topics that come up that we end up discussing during the program. And if you want to hear tonight's show and read the information, get the website link that my guests spoke about on the program or listen to previous programs, find out about my book, my course, read my blog. All of that is on my website, drmaricarpel.com. And also be sure to follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpel, Your Golden Ears, for upcoming um, shows and information about future events. And you can listen to this evening's program in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to Blog Talk Radio, that's B-L-O-G, talkradio.com, slash Your Golden Ears. This show was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by neurologist and memory specialist, Dr. Ronald DeVere, and by Storyhouse. And special thanks to my guests, J.G. Bocella, Mark Pines, Jim and Renee Oliphant, the duo Ragtop. And of course, thank you, Art, and thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring week. And remember... Youth has no age. Good night, everyone. I look at you all, see the love there that's sleeping. Why my guitar gently weeps? I look at the floor and I see it needs sweeping. Still my guitar gently weeps. I don't know why nobody told. How to unfold your love I don't know how Someone controlled you They bought and sold you Any guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.